0: Welcome to the E3 Podcast, where we encourage, educate, and empower female entrepreneurs. I'm Melissa Johnson, and I have a mission to help female business owners um, transform their lives and their business. On this show, I'll be interviewing female entrepreneurs that are moms, that are business owners, and we're taking a deep dive into the struggles that they're having in their business and coming up with some great solutions on how they can transform their business and their life. So, Thank you so much for joining the show today. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and we're going to jump right in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the E3 podcast. I am excited to have our guest today is Tamara Hermes and she is really awesome. We've been chatting a lot lately and so I'm excited for for what she has to talk about. So a little bit about her. She's a full-time real estate investor, educator, and money coach. She's the CEO of Wealth Warrior Woman, women, woman, woman. Sorry, I can't read. (laughs) Where she guides women to become financially free through real estate investing and creating an empowering relationship to money. Tamar grew up poor as a child of a Holocaust survivor and had no idea how people got rich. By chance, she stumbled upon real estate investing and became obsessed with the world of finance. Today, she coaches clients across the country and blogs for Bigger Pockets while hunting for her next deal. Tamar's desire is to support women to be free to choose how they spend their life and have the means to afford whatever they desire for themselves, their families, and others. She she believes real estate investing is the best way to grow wealth. Tamar recently relocated from Los Angeles to Austin, where she is enjoying the small city life, living financially free, and having no state taxes. That must be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. You go, girl. That's a lot. (laughs) So, other than your amazing bio, what else can? Would you like to share about yourself? Just to get
1: <laughs> Was that not enough?
0: Uh, That's so, a lot. How did you I, do all this stuff? Do you have kids? Like, how did you manage all of this? Three kids. And what I always say is that I'm not a spring
1: chicken, so I've had years, like we were just talking about, that that I have been able to build upon growing wealth, build upon growing my self-improvement, growing upon my relationship with money, growing upon my connections. And it really creates an abundant life. And when you look at, even sometimes I look in my closet and I'll think, wow, I have a lot of clothes,
0: but then I think, well, I've had a lot of time to accumulate them. So True. that's a good way of looking at that, but now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So how did you, how did you get into real estate to begin with? Were you, did you do anything before? Have you always done real estate or what was that? I like?
1: Actually, it's interesting. I believe that I had one of the longest paths to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, part of the reason why I do the work that I do now is because I don't want women to waste their time the way that I did with fear and believing that it was too risky and believing that they didn't have enough money and just frankly, not knowing anything about real estate. So I ended up buying my first property. I was actually an executive in television and I was working full time, making a great living and realized that I had extra money and was wanting to figure out what to do with it. And so I started to explore options Uh, to invest my money. And while doing that, I was also thinking, let's say I wanted to quit, quit my J-O-B. What would I do? How would I survive? And I realized there was really no good answer. It was kind of this, once you get on the train, you have to keep putting fuel in it to keep that train going. Mm -hmm. And it creates a life trap where you just have to kind of keep moving. And unfortunately, more more of us women and men are stuck in that trap. And so I realized if I could save money on rent, then that would be a big portion of my of the income I needed to generate. And so I ended up buying a duplex. And when I was 31. And that's how I, I got started. And then after that, I actually did not get the bug and realize, wow, this is great. I'm just going to buy and buy and buy. I bought a couple properties here and there and didn't really move full steam ahead for years because I was told it was risky. I was didn't trust myself. I thought I was going to lose all my money. I didn't understand the way it worked and I didn't think that I could because I had never been maybe told that I could understand those kinds of things. So I had a lot of blocks and a lot of issues to overcome to get to where I am now and still on the journey.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Right. And (laughs) those self-limiting beliefs are really tough, right? You know, it's like you want to do something, but then, you know, like you said, just having all that fear and there's so many fears around real estate too. And I think, do you think that that's because people just, there's a lack of education maybe I always feel like maybe with fear it's just because there's no plan. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen. Did you feel like that at any time?
1: Absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it. And I think also, like I said, because I'm not a spring chicken. So back when I started investing, it wasn't, uh, there weren't resources. There wasn't, you can just Google how to invest in real estate we didn't have those resources. Now that's just an excuse at the time. I know I could have still figured it out, other people did, but I didn't really have confidence in it because I had been told that I could lose my money and that it was dangerous. And yes, I think when we don't know something and when we're not educated, there is a feeling that, uh, so popular.
0: Sorry, what? it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Ugh. laughs> it happens. Why is it ringing on my computer though? That's really weird. I don't, I usually don't have that stuff on. Cause I don't want that to happen.
1: <laughs> I'll answer the question again, since you're going to edit. I'm so
0: sorry. I don't know why that. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. Uh, so what I was
1: saying is that the fear around not investing in real, or the fear around investing in real estate comes from a big lack of education and a lot of misinformation. And I think that what happens is that even when people embark on it, they realize that it's not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And the guarantee is you putting your money in the bank, making 0.0005% while they invest your money. For making 10%. So at, the, at a certain point, it's either you're going to get educated and take the educated risk to be the person that's making the 10% or just leave your money in the bank and struggling or being on the train your whole life, needing to get that paycheck.
0: Yeah. And that's a rough place to be. <laughs> It is, and it's a choice
1: though, because I didn't come from from any means and I had to figure it out and I had to take a lot of leaps of faith and I've made mistakes and I've lost money and I've made money. And almost anyone that you speak to, I would say probably not almost every person that, that you speak to, man or woman, that has created any sort of achievement, whether it's wealth or whether it's writing a famous book, whatever it is, it takes some risk. And it takes a trial and error and having to be able to be in that space. And most will also
0: argue that that's where the growth is. Uh, Definitely. And I, i always feel that way too. I think that, you know, by going through those experiences, that is where you grow. And that really kind of forges your character too. Cause I want to go back to that, what you said, like starting out with nothing because, um, I started out with nothing too. So I, I, I understand how that feels, you know, not going from just being completely self-made and that journey, what that's like, what was that journey like for you just going from, you know, nothing to, to where you're at? Yeah,
1: that, that journey was really challenging. It was very painful and very scary, in the early times, and it was only because I persevered and kept asking myself, I'm always, you know, what questions are you asking yourself? So I'm always asking myself, okay, what else is there? What else is there? If you don't give up, then you're asking yourself, what else is there? And if you fall into the mode of victim, then you feel like there is nothing else there. Mm -hmm. So even though I think I played a lot of the victim, I also kept asking myself, what else, what else, what else? And it got easier and easier and easier. And I think that that's what it is. It's it's asking yourself what kind of life you want to have and working towards that and believing that you can have it. Because when you believe that you're stuck in the life that you were born into, which is what I believed and what I saw was just, This is how you're born. And this is kind of, you get what you get. So I didn't realize that I, even though once in a while I'd hear somebody say, you know, you could make your life the way you want it to be. And I would think, well, how's that going to happen? How do I do that from where I'm, where I'm sitting?
0: Mm -hmm. Sure enough, that's what happened. Do you feel like Do you feel like your parent did, did, were, were you taught like mindset or I find it interesting, right. That some people it's like, what makes some people able to overcome those really difficult times, especially early in life, you know, what makes some people, you know, pull through that and become successful. And then other people just like stay stuck.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, I was not taught mindset. I was not taught that at all. I was taught to survive. My mom was a pioneer in Israel as a child. They used to get shot at from the barracks. Uh, They used to have to hide. It was very contentious getting that land, as most people know the history. And uh, my father was a Holocaust survivor. So it really was about just trudging through life. There wasn't much thought about living a fulfilling and satisfying life. It was more let's survive, let's just survive and get through it kind of thing. And uh, so I think that it was the curiosity and the desire to have a different life that kept me going and kept me fueling me to really keep pushing and looking. And my only, even though I don't really believe in regrets, right, because it's part of your process, Mm -hmm. but I do... I do regret the struggle that I was in. And I regret the, the times where I felt really stuck and alone and confused and bad about myself because had I spent more time believing in myself sooner, I would have gotten where I wanted to go sooner, I believe.
0: Yeah, maybe. But then also, I guess by the same token, then it wouldn't have made you who you are now. Ah, uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's always true. That's always the case. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder how much
1: struggle we all really need.
0: That's true. Sometimes it feels very overwhelming. I feel like this year has been a struggle <laughs> I, for a lot of people, not just me. Um, mm-hmm. how, how has this year been for you? Well, I have to say this year has been
1: almost just like any other year. I have to say it's been great. It's been good. We, I mean, almost every other year for the last maybe 15 years kind of thing, or 10, I would say 10 years. Uh, And the reason, the, the part that's hard is when I connect to the struggle of what other people are going through and knowing that not everybody is prospering in this time. They don't have the resources they don't know where to turn. They don't realize that they can be better, do better. They just don't see the possibility. And uh, and for me, I just, COVID came. I stayed home with my family. I started wearing a mask. I go out safely. I do my life. I started using Zoom. I just, you know, I, I just kind of went with it. That's what we do. So... It's been great. It's been good. Uh, Income wise, it was transitional. We had some wins. We had some challenges. Uh, My husband's in the entertainment industry and his whole business got shut down. So, luckily, we've always been people that don't spend every dime that we have so that in the event of a pandemic, which is literally the far end, extreme worst thing that you could possibly imagine, uh, other than being sick, uh, is, is we were able to, uh, not have to have money be an issue, which really makes
0: it a lot easier. Definitely. And that's something, you know, in coaching that I've been encouraging people to do because you just don't know, right. You don't know when things are going to happen and, and, set you back or knock you down a little bit. And if you have no reserves for anything, then all that hard work that you've done is, you know, you're put in a position to possibly lose it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Nothing makes me more panic than not having reserves. I just, I would rather have one property and know that I can pay for it than have three, but be stressed out about managing the expenses. Because we're we're not living to be stressed. And that would create a stressful situation.
0: For sure. And then I just think about these people that have lots and lots of properties and that did not have reserves, just buying, 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 you know, because things were really great for a long time. And then, you know, this happens. And like we talked about the other day, you know, people aren't paying their rents and, you know, they're not paying their mortgages if you're carrying notes for them and things like that. And it can be really overwhelming very quickly, especially if you've got a lot of things, a lot of properties like that and no reserves built up. Yeah, it's definitely,
1: for me, COVID's been an opportunity, a wake-up call. What the first thing that we're thinking is, okay, what really matters to me? If I, we realize health, our families, our friends, uh, security, people are moving to suburbs, people want to live in comfort and not be worried. Uh, quality of life and also just the way that the world has been set up to manage money. And it really isn't anybody's fault because there is no education and there's no role model. And then you look at the government and they're just printing money. So you think, well, why should I save if they're not saving? So there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people have found themselves in this situation. And the truth is you have to ask yourself, well, you could be either over leveraged, meaning you have no reserves, but you have a lot of property and you're kind of stuck and maybe you have to get rid of one or two, or you could be too scared on the other hand to ever even do this because you think, oh, I don't want to lose a property. But chances are the people that that lose one property, they may lose one, but overall they're going to be fine and they're still making more money. So it, again, it begs to the argument that it's better to take those chances and find your, find your way where you have just the right amount where you can manage it. But I'd rather be on the situation where I was over leveraged too, if I had to make a choice on that end too. That's true. I mean, you can
0: always dump something if you need to.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, There's that, uh, the, theory that real estate is fairly forgiving, that if you hang on to it long enough, it'll appreciate, or if you can find a different strategy to get out of a property, or maybe you take a loss on one, but another one makes so much that it offsets that loss. So it's just such a great asset class. It's just, it's so, so, so amazing. I'm so glad that Uh, more and more women are discovering real estate and the opportunity there, because that really, to me is by far and away, the best way to, to control your wealth and grow it. I agree.
0: agree. So talk, talk to me about what you're doing with women right now in that space of real estate and finance and everything. What does that, what does that look like for you? Is that Going so well.
1: yeah. So um a couple things. So one is of course I'll work with I work with clients one-on-one to dive into more specifics, but really it's my course that I love, the real deal formula, where I really take women on this journey where they can really look at their financial assessment, look at their options in real estate, understand how the numbers work, understand the strategies and define everything for themselves and be on this journey. So I, I love that. And it's very exciting. And then I've also just opened up the uh, Wren chapter, the women's real estate in real estate network for Austin. And Mm -hmm. that is super exciting. We we have a network building here in Austin, where I live, where uh, we're supporting one another in real estate and it's contractors and painters and decorators and investors and realtors. And they're all coming together to support one another to grow in real
0: estate. I love that. And when did how, how long ago did you start that chapter?
1: That's just starting, and our first event is just coming up. This brand new, oh, so okay. uh, it's just something. Since I've moved here, just getting getting grounded and figuring out uh, unpacking, of course, and then figuring out uh, what what how I want to serve and where I want to be. And that was uh, a really great opportunity to bring women together. And so I'm super excited about that because for sure we're every resource is available to us when we reach out to one another. And it's really nice to be able to do it with women because we're still such a minority in the business. And uh, while I do plenty of business with men and I, I really appreciate all of them. They're wonderful, but it is nice to be able to work with women.
0: I agree. I agree. And that's, you know, we have a lot of conversations about this, you know, being a woman in business, especially in a male dominated sort of industry, like real estate, you know, has its own unique challenges. And it's one of those things too. I don't know how you feel. I know for me, at least, you know, we talk about this a lot and you go back and forth, right? Because you don't want to play the woman card, you know, in those situations, but you know there definitely is it is a different set of of issues i think that women have in this business what do you think what do you feel like what have been some of the biggest challenges for you as a woman being in in real estate if any
1: well i mean i have to say i do think that women i i don't i, I haven't really i can't say initially that I feel like there have been challenges for me as much as, uh, ones that I create myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, it's more, I think it's more that women believe that there are challenges. I mean, the, the maybe the hardest thing is something with a contractor, because I don't necessarily know if somebody says you need to rip out all the plumbing and get it all new and it's going to cost $25,000. I don't know how to check that, but then I don't know that a man would necessarily either if they didn't know plumbing. So when I think about my husband, I mean, he would, we both be looking at each other with (laughs) saying, I don't know. So that, that would be one of the hardest things, but I don't know that it's necessarily Uh, a a woman thing. I do think that women really excel in relationships and in connection. And I think that real estate is very much a connection and relationship uh, business. And in fact, a lot of those off market deals come from approaching uh, private parties and definitely think that women have a very sensitive soft hand to approach situations like that. So what uh, what uh, challenges do you feel like as a woman that you've had?
0: Um, good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I kind of when you said that it's challenges that you've created yourself, I really felt that, and I feel like that's those probably are the biggest challenges. Is just I've never you know tried to be like, well, that's not fair because I'm a woman and they're treating me this way because I'm a woman. I don't feel that way. Um, because I feel like as a woman, we do have certain definite advantages, you know, and some women like to use those and, you know, we all do a little bit here and there, but <laughs> I mean, why not if you can, but, um, yeah, I think all the challenges that I face have really just been self-imposed. You know, like, well, this is, this is difficult or whatever, but you know, then it goes, then it, it just goes right back to that mindset thing. You know, like we were talking about, it's just knowing what you want and going after it and not being afraid of, you know, to take risks, you know, and being, I think there's something about um, having this idea, like getting comfortable with risk, getting comfortable with taking risk, because. It's scary at first, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you comfortable you become doing it. And so, you know, we don't know until we try something. And I think I think that's where a lot of women get stuck too: is just the not knowing and just being stuck in the fear, and then like having those self limiting beliefs about what they can and can't do, and maybe thinking, "Well, because I'm a woman, it's this way." You know, it's kind of the passing the the blame sort of thing, which. Um, I don't think it's entirely true anymore. I mean, I definitely think that it is still a very male dominated industry. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. And I think that that has to do with the fact that women just aren't diving in as much as, as men, men have been in real estate forever. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we couldn't even buy land what 50 years ago or less uh, we needed our husbands to be on our on our to sign off for us to make sure that we could do it. I mean, it's pretty insane if you think about the the mountains that women have climbed. We really have not been in this game as long, and I think that's part of it is that women are just catching up. And I think the more women like us that come out and say, hey, you know, you could invest in real estate, you can build your wealth that way. And it's not as risky as you think because you can mitigate the risks Mm -hmm. and you can do smart things and it will be more advantageous to you than putting it in the bank. The other thing recently, I had a conversation with a client and she was really hesitant about investing. And I basically told her she's a W-2 earner, a multi um, hundred thousands of of dollars a year uh, that she's earning. And I basically just told her, look, you have a choice. You can either invest and buy something or you can just give the money to the IRS because that's what's going to happen. Because if you don't buy something and offset your income, the IRS is just going to take it. So you work pretty hard for that money. And when you look at it that way, it sort of erases the fear. She she bought something <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. quickly because <laughs> when, she, when she put it to her that way, she's not stupid. So she realized, well, that's not really a great deal for me knowing that some people that supposedly make a lot more money don't pay any taxes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I like that. It's almost a reversal of the fear, right? You come to something, you're like, well, I'm afraid to invest in that, but she was more afraid to lose that money that she earned that prompted her to take the action. And I think maybe there's more situations that are like that, you know, like instead of saying, "Well, oh, I'm afraid of this. well, so what, what about being afraid of like, what's going to happen if you don't do something? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a great message to share,
1: which is the alternative of not figuring out how to invest and how to manage your money is not a pretty picture especially the way the world is is working right now you can make a lot of money and still have nothing to show for it if you are not filling your other investing buckets and so it's pretty critical and it's also pretty easy to get that going and to build on it because like we were saying you buy one or two a year and it's very good it really adds up, especially if if you get to be my age. <laughs> I keep doing all these age things. I'm not that old. Uh, not that old. <laughs> I'm not. I'm almost. I'm actually almost 54. Wow.
0: Well, you look amazing. <laughs> now we're gonna get everybody to watch the YouTuber is gonna think I want to look at what she looks like. <laughs> yes, you need to see this beautiful woman. She's smart and gorgeous, and <laughs> I love it. So with the investing, like, I love that, like protecting your money and talking about that, that sort of thing too, because I think that everybody's so excited about like the front end of real estate investing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get all these deals. I'm going to do all this stuff. But then nobody really talks very much about what are you going to do after you do all that? Like after you get all that, how are you going to protect it? You know, what are you, what, what are your plans, you know, with all this? do you, what do you, what is your favorite strategy for, for protecting your assets? Well, it's interesting. It really depends to me
1: where the money is. So if you're making a high income and then you utilize a 401k or a Roth, then you have a different strategy than if you are just earning the money and and are working to avoid taxes. But certainly Every time you buy a property, you have a couple of advantages. One is right now, especially the all the bonus depreciation and depreciation. So you get tax write-offs. So if I buy a $100,000 property, deduct the land value, which is not deductible, and then everything else can be deducted, that's a pretty significant tax write-off, even if it's a $150,000 property. Mm-hmm. So right there, you've saved yourself... Thousands of dollars, and that's just one really easy strategy that you can focus on. Uh, and the 401k, if you put the money in the 401k and it's deferred until your retirement, well, then you can invest in in a property as well, or you can invest in notes if it's self direct. You make it self directed, and then you can invest in notes or in or um, in all kinds of deals. And that money is just growing tax deferred. And so you can really accumulate that money. So that's another strategy. Uh, and then, of course, if it's deferred, then the, then you don't need to pay the taxes on it that year. So it kind of kicks the can on it, which is a strategy a lot of people like. I there's no there's no perfect strategy. I mean, certainly buying the property and getting the depreciation is pretty perfect because if it's a good property, there's actually, there's, it's, it's kind of a no brainer to do it. But uh, on the 401k side, that's a big controversy because there are uh, experts that we believe that the, that deferring your income isn't really that great of a strategy while others believe that there is. And I think that it just depends. I think as long as you're building your wealth and growing your your, uh, investment portfolio, then it's, it's all pretty good. Yeah. Those are good problems to have
0: Yeah, for real. (laughs) Do you, um, how diverse is your portfolio? Are you mainly invested in one type of property or do you have several different types that you're investing in or what, what do you like to do?
1: So I used to be very focused and I had properties in LA. They were buy and holds, uh, single family and duplex. And then I discovered syndications, which is uh, you, you usually need to be an accredited investor, which means that you either single as a single person make 200,000 a year, or as a couple make 300,000, or you have a net worth of a million dollars, not including your, uh, your uh, primary residence, and then you're considered accredited. So if you're accredited, you get access to a lot of deals, you don't always have to be accredited. But I do find a lot of the deals are structured that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, you can also be sophisticated where you can just express knowledge of the deal and get get uh, into the deal. And those opportunities really presented some great returns, and they're completely passive. So I didn't have to do anything and I could just give somebody a hundred thousand dollars and make 15% on my money and every year. So when you can do something like that, it starts to open up a whole new world of possibilities. And so from that, I'm pretty diversified. I'm in multifamily. I have storage unit. I have a mobile home park. I have, um, I have Airbnbs that I'm partnered in. I own part of uh, the properties with partners and, uh, and I still own in LA and so it's really mixed. It's really mixed and lending notes. I have that I have. I, oh, and then now recently I really became intrigued by business. So now I'm actually investing in businesses too. So I, I have uh, a number of, of investments uh, in businesses
0: that's cool anything neat or interesting
1: well I mean there's a laundry mat and then there's also some larger companies that I've um, that I've uh, gotten into and there's uh, some ones that are involved with cannabis and it's just really mixed
0: that's good you know one of the things too with coaching and and I trying to teach people just, you know, when you're taking the long view is exactly what you're doing is having that diverse portfolio. I think it really helps for a lot of different reasons, but I think it's like great to know how to do all these different things too. And I never advocate like doing too much, but also just having like these different options. Like if the market changes or something happens, you can pivot into these different strategies that I think is really important to be able to do. I mean, it's all real estate, you know, it's, they're just different exit strategies like Airbnb yeah. or, or whatever, you know? And so having that diversity with your, your income, I think is really like so important to have when you own a business, you know, start one business and then, you know, go start another one or do something else within that business and just really, you know, break it up into different things, different buckets, like you said. So yeah. every, not everything is just in this one bucket and that's all you do. And that's all, you know, and like, you don't ever do anything else. And then when the market shifts or changes and then you don't know how to deal with it, you know, and you, yeah, uh, that's so
1: true. Although there is something to be said, even uh, for example, uh, with you and with other investors that I know where they really are defined in one niche it's very nice when you really know one area and one niche, and you really, because then you can, uh, you have great connections in those areas. And if you wanna do another house in the same area, you can use the same property manager. So I have the same property manager for all my homes in LA. And it makes, it does make that aspect easier. But in terms of you're right, if you're doing passive, then it doesn't really matter if, you know, I own a laundry mat and I own an Airbnb because I'm not managing them. I have other people that are specialists in those. So certainly that makes so much sense. And I personally, I love that. I love diversification because uh, I think it's great. I have another um, one of the partners that I work with. He has... A, he's a sponsor for a lot of multifamily, close to nearing uh, close to a, a billion dollars now. And he just does multifamily. And every time I call him and tell him, uh, hey, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to go into a laundry mat, or I'm going to do notes, or I'm going to do this, or I'm doing that he always says, that's great. Good for you. I'm sticking with multifamily because he knows what he knows. He knows it does well. He's done other things. He's made money, he's lost money, and that's the asset class he loves. So he goes narrow and deep on that. So in that regard, I mean, he's not interested in any other, he has money in the stock market too, because most people like to diversify a little bit like that, but, um, but he doesn't have any other real estate, well, he does, but, um, but only because he's had them, but he doesn't focus on them now.
0: Yeah. I like that. And, you know, even though I'm only in single family, I feel like it's pretty diverse still because I have different extra strategies. So the portfolio is definitely like here's rentals and then there's notes and then there's flipping and then there's wholesaling and then, you know, absolutely with people like there's a lot of ways to be diverse in your little niche too but the important thing is just getting started, right? Just taking action.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, there's so many people like you that have just mastered the single family home and have made a ton of money and have done very well and have, uh, and really enjoy that, uh, that process. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of investors that have just stuck with single family home and they love it.
0: Yeah, I think it's just important to find what you like and what works for you, and you know, trying different things. And if it doesn't work well, you tried it, you know, you don't like it, it didn't work, or whatever, and you know, go on to the next thing. There's just so many, I feel like there's just so many opportunities and possibilities out there that we shouldn't limit ourselves to just being in that box, you know, of the job that's the same thing over and over again, or just. Boxing yourself into uh, this life when there's so many other things out there.
1: Absolutely. And that's
0: the opportunity too. if anyone, if any of the listeners are
1: in their, in a job right now, and maybe they love it, or maybe they don't like it as much, just knowing that they can take some of that money and start to invest and really start to build another bucket where they have more options Mm -hmm. and start growing that. And uh, certainly listening to us, they may be thinking, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't have hundreds of properties and I don't have that much money to invest in, but we all start somewhere. We both shared that we didn't have that when we started and
0: now we're where we are at, but you have to do something. I mean, it's not like somebody just came and said, Oh, here's this opportunity. And by the way, here's a bunch of money to do it. And also I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Like it just doesn't, that'd be so great be so well, is kind of They don't tell you what to do, but I think that they guide you.
1: So, right. So that, mm-hmm. that helps a lot. Uh, but no one's going to
0: hand you like everything on the silver platter. Right. You
1: still have to take the action. You so there's no, that. you're right. There's no free lunch for sure. Uh, definitely. Um, what I was going to tell you is, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I had a point, but
0: It left. Oh, well that I, it happens to me all the time. (laughs) Well, this has been so great. We're about at the end of our time, but I so appreciate you and getting to know you the last couple of days. And um, do you, can you share where people can find you online or how can they connect with you if they want to hear more or learn more about what you're doing?
1: Uh, Absolutely. So you can go to my website, which is wealthwarriorwoman, W-O-M-A-N.com. Or you can email me at hello at wealthwarriorwoman.com. And in my website, there's also information about Real Deal Formula that I talked about.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your time with us today and sharing all this this awesome financial information took a little different turn but i think that that's it's something that's not talked about enough so i think it's good for people to hear that and to understand that it can be done and that diversifying and doing all these different things is you know i think really contributes to to success you know and to getting really what you want and where you want to be in life right absolutely 100% Awesome. Well, thank you again. This was fun.